Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 290 of the podcast. It's the 11th of August, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a fascinating conversation with Jay Williams. Jay recently decided to leave his teaching job and stay home to dive into unschooling with his two young children. Leading up to this choice, he spent the last year immersed in podcasts and books, exploring natural learning and questioning many mainstream paradigms around children, schooling, and success. We talk about his experience as a sixth grade teacher and the frustrations he felt within the school system. He describes his excitement and the big aha moments that have come from exploring and schooling and how it has impacted his parenting and relationships with his children. Jay also shares his thoughts about the accessibility of unschooling and his vision for a better school system, as well as the challenge he's feeling right now around finding a balance between pursuing his interests and being present with his children. Jay's excitement and passion about learning and life made for such a fun and engaging conversation. It will be fascinating to see where his journey leads as he approaches unschooling with an open and curious mindset. We plan to connect again in six months or so just to see how things are going. Now, before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon, and a big welcome to new patron, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page on patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now, here's my conversation with Jay. Welcome, I'm Hannah Rickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Jay Williams. Hi, Jay. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So we recently connected online, and I really enjoyed checking out your new YouTube channel. And I look forward to the new videos as they come out. I'm really excited to learn more about your journey so far as you're getting started. So can you just share with us a bit about you and your family and what everybody's interested in right now, just so we can get to know you guys a little bit? Um, So uh, my wife and I have been married for almost 11 years this year, and um, we have a little girl. uh, She's six. She's our oldest. um, And I have a son. He will be turning three on Wednesday. Uh, So he's He's right around the corner, um, running out of those terrible twos, um, but, you know, definitely turning into a, a, what do you call a a three-nager or something, but, but, um, so he definitely uh, wants to do things his way, (laughs) so his self-directed approach fits perfect for where he is in his stage of life, but, um, and, um, you know, as far as the kids and their interests, my son, he's all about orcas, all about orca whales, killer whales, which is, I was telling my wife yesterday, I didn't know what a, the name Orca until college. 
Uh, I think I watched a documentary and, you know, I always thought it was a killer whale or free Willie, you know, yeah, back in the nineties with the Michael Jackson song or whatever, but, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and you know, he's like, he loves orca whales. Like he wants to watch those documentaries over and over. Like we go to the library and, and at first I thought he just wanted the kid books, you know, with the pictures and, you know, kind of read along ish kind of things. But no, he wants the real deep, like <laughs> National Geographic with multi mostly text. And he wants me to sit there and read it to him. I was like, wow, it's like, this is interesting, you know? But yeah, so that's his interest. And my daughter, she, um, anything unicorn, rainbows, that's, you know, that's where her flow is right now. Um, and she loves Ninja Warrior, uh, you know, the kind of acrobatics of that. Um, you know, climbing, pull-ups, um, being able to do monkey bars. That's her challenge that she has for herself, being able to go across like five consecutive monkey bars. She's made it up to three and she was so excited just to make it to three. So, so yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love the the physicality piece too. It's interesting how like early on you can see those who um, can sometimes be more drawn. Doesn't mean that others won't, but it is, it is fascinating just to see them in action. Like when they're free to choose what they're doing in the moment, you can see that playing out. That's so fun. Exactly. So what about you and your wife? What are you guys interested in? Um, well, my wife and I, well, me, I'm obviously this. <laughs> so I'm kind of, <laughs> and we'll talk about more of that, um, yeah. you know, in this conversation, but, you know, just taking a deep dive in this whole new world that I kind of knew was always there, but didn't, I guess you could say have a name for it or a directed approach to it. Um, and my wife, she's been just a huge support. And she's the one that's actually pushed me toward it uh, more than anything. Um, I brought it up to her with my concerns. Um, and you know, I'll just I'll get right into it. So I, I've been a teacher. Um, I was teaching for six years and I always, I, uh, how do I say it? I guess you could say I was like a loved teacher. Like all the kids loved me. They, you know, they would come to my class and, you know, I was like every kid's favorite teacher. And there was, there was, um, at the end of the year, I always felt this, um, this feeling of, I wasn't that good at teaching. Like I knew they loved me and I knew they, you know, enjoyed my class and I knew they were learning somewhat, but I, but I always felt like there was, uh, I was like, I, and I would tell my wife, I was like, you know, you guys say I'm a good teacher. And she's like, no, you're an excellent teacher. I was like, I don't feel it. I don't feel like I'm actually good at what I'm doing. I just, I feel there's something that's not there. There's, there's a, um, a disconnect and, and what the students are saying they want and what I'm supplying them. Um, and I, as I, you know, every, so every year I will go through this and at the end of every year, um, very purpose-driven. So at the end of every year, I would almost recreate my lessons and come up with some new idea or some new way, a different approach. Um, I was actually, there was a podcast that you did um, with, you know, I, I can't even remember, it was a while ago, but she was a uh, project-based. Um, she did a lot of project-based uh, teaching. And um, so I said, like, I'm going to do that. So I, you know, I go online and I find, you know, some templates for project-based learning and, you know, and we do, I mean, we came up with some incredible things, um, but even still, it, it was, it still wasn't all there, you know, and, and I, and I realized that, um, and that's kind of what got me on this journey that it's more about allowing the learner 
to naturally flow into what they want to learn instead of me, I guess you could say tricking them into wanting to learn things. And because that only takes you but so far. And that's the part that I realized. And, and uh, you know, I was trying so many different ways to make it purposeful, make the learning purposeful for them, make it matter. You know, so we, we attach to, um, you know, uh, uh, current events, you know, we attach to um, needs that they saw in the community and the world. Um, um, like, for example, this one of my projects I probably would say I was the most proud of was we came up with a book. And the book was basically a critique on Hammurabi's code, which is one of the first law codes in history, written law codes. And um, and the big thing, what we uh, a way that we did it was we would have these things called Socratic seminars, which is basically a discussion. You have your contact, you have your 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 text, you read through the text, and then you have an open discussion where it's not centered around the teachers. The students are just you're literally sitting in a circle and they're just having a conversation, sharing the stage and um, discussing different things about the text. And the thing that came up in that conversation a lot was their, um, they felt like it was unfair and not because of so much, a little bit because it was harsh, but they felt because a lot of um, the law codes, it differentiated between class. So like women and men, and also between slaves and free free people. And they felt like that's unfair. And they they really, really harked in on that a lot. And um, I said, so, you know, what do you think about that? You So you think, you know, obviously you feel like slavery is unfair, but do you realize that slavery is actually still around now today? And they were like, really? And I was like, oh, my goodness. So we started doing a little research on things. And we found this, um, the International Justice Mission, which um, they um, human trafficking and things like that and, you know, preventing slavery around the world. And it was like, oh, my goodness, we want to help them. You know, that's like they thought that was so amazing. Right. So we so this this pro, this assignment, which is a standard, uh, you know, of Florida uh, from going from, you know, talking about the Hammurabi's code and, you know, it shifted to, you know, unfairness and, and their interest in, you know, abolishing slavery. And then it, you know, goes to how can we actually help actual people? in the world today. Um, so they, um, so I came up with this idea actually inspired by this documentary, um, uh, most likely to succeed, I think is the name of the documentary. Um, in a book, I read both like, in, in like, <laughs> I feel like two days, but um, <laughs> I read the book and then watched the documentary and everything. But, um, so they, uh, had a lot of project-based, uh, learning, like their whole school lesson was basically about, uh, uh, it was one singular project that they would build toward for the end of the semester, I believe. And um, so they would pick their own groups and all this kind of stuff. So sorry, long, long story long. Um, <laughs> we, uh, so we, uh, so I said, okay, how about we create something? We create different things, you know, talking about your feelings about Hammurabi's code and we compile it in one singular book. So, and you know, these are, oh yeah, this is a sixth grade class, by the way. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, 11, 12 year olds, some kids 13. And um, so I wasn't sure how good of the quality would be, but being inspired by um, listening to, like I mentioned in a podcast that you had, the documentary, I said, I'm going to allow them to do everything. So they're the editors, they're the designers of the book, they're the, um, the writers, obviously the creators of content. And, and they did it. 
And, you know, so I just, they, they, they voted, they turned in their applications. Oh, I want to be the editor. I want to be over the imagery, or I want to be the design of the cover. And I want to, you know, compile it and make sure it's organized in the right way. Like they're the ones who did all of it. And it was, it was amazing. It was this, this beautiful um, book of work that um, I was, they were so proud of. They came up with their own commercials to sell to the school. Cause so the idea was we're going to publish it and sell it. Um, on Amazon and then get uh, use the proceeds of that and send it to the international justice mission, you know, to directly help. And they, and, um, and it was, it was just so heartwarming for them, you know, putting their action towards something that actually mattered to them. So it was more than just a grade. And I, and I always felt like I, I, I always say as a teacher, I'm the, the least, <laughs> I'm the least teachery teacher of all time, but um the, I, I hate grades. I hate tests. I've always felt like that. And um, I always wanted them to don't focus on the grade, focus on creating something like memorable, meaningful to you, you know, and invest yourself into it. And, um, and they did. And it was, it was beautiful. And <laughs> the logistics of school, um, the apparently the Amazon's publishing contract wasn't appropriate enough for our school um and so they basically shut it down like we made the book and everything it was ready uh it was amazon was ready to publish it but they wouldn't allow us to take that step and the kids were crushed um they they were crushed because they put so much time and effort toward doing something that they felt like mattered more than just oh you know the question why are we learning history anyway what does it matter blah blah blah, blah. but and to me it matters to do something purposeful today to help people today, you know, and, and they felt like they didn't really get that chance. And um, so that was, you know, there was a, there's a lot of moments like that, that we've had. And I realized that, um, and that was years ago, I think maybe three years ago or so when we had that project, but the, the thing that kind of brought me to where we are today is um I just recognize that this isn't, it's an unnatural level of, of approach that we have to what we call schooling. Um, it's, it's not a very, it's not efficient. Um, and historically speaking, you know, I was reading um, free to learn and, you know, and, and, you know, I'm a history teacher as well. So all of those things resonated with me a lot, you know, just the, the natural hunter gatherers and how they interact and, um, and how they raise their children to be able to do the things that they needed to survive in their society. And then, and I always thought like, yeah, why don't we, a, a huge part of my life is paying taxes. A huge part of my life is, you know, um, investing or budgeting and, there's so little emphasis on these practical adulting skills that we have. And, and I, I feel like that's not, that's not the way it should be, you know? And so uh, you asked me one simple question, I went on forever, but, but, <laughs> but uh, the gist is, uh, you know, I just saw a lot of flaws with how, with how school was set up and how um, we are saying we're preparing them to be the leaders of tomorrow, but in actuality, we're not. We're, you know, preparing them to be uh, workers. We're preparing them to follow rules and instruction. We're not allowing them to be creative. We're not allowing them to have passion toward, you know, their work and their interest. And, and that's what kind of shifted us there. And my wife, 
So after, imagine you met me for a few minutes and you see how I talk, right? So my wife comes home to this every night. She's like, uh, you should stop teaching. <laughs> Just stay home with the, why don't you stay home with the kids? And that was a whole thing in itself for me. Cause you know, I'm a male, um, and just a little bit about my background. I wasn't, I didn't have a father around. So I was always searching for men and, you know, always searching for, you know, uh, role models, um, from celebrities to athletes, to, you know, the, the male man, to guys in, you know, in church and the community, my teachers, my coaches, like everywhere, you know? And, um, I was always looking, okay, what is a man supposed to be like? How's a father supposed to be like? Cause I didn't have that. So I'm always like, it was looking out for it. And I always had this in my mind that, you know, a man's job was to protect and provide. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so my wife, I, I, in one of the videos I joked about it, you know, my wife said, Oh, why don't you stay home with the kids? I'm like, I'm not going to be a housewife. What do you mean? What is this? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, but, um, and then, um, and, uh, you know, I kind of, I thought about it. I prayed about it. I'm a very spiritual person and I prayed about it. And, you know, something I feel like God was telling me was that, you know, protection and provision is more than just financial. It's not just, you know, bringing home the bacon, you know, it's, it's, establishing, you know, um, a, a, a family, a safe family unit for your your wife, your kids to to grow into the people they're destined to be. And and who better to do that than a former teacher for my own kids? And so and that that was the, the shift, the turning point, the tipping point for me to make the move. So. Thank you so much, Jay. That was fascinating to listen to. I'm glad you talk all you want. But I, so the, those two pieces are are super fascinating, and I think what lies underneath both. So your teaching experience, right, and the things that that you found weren't working for you. Same with uh, diving into the question: Why don't you stay home with the kids? Is that willingness to ask yourself questions? right? To dig a little bit deeper, to question like the conventional messages that we've absorbed, or maybe even just the societal, cultural messages that we absorbed growing up, right? And just to say, you know, is this true? Is is this really true for us? Is it true to my experience, right? So like you threw yourself 110%, 100, 200% into being a teacher, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> I mean, those experiences were amazing for your kids. And I remember from your video, um, too, when you talked about uh, leaving teaching, that part of that was that, you know, you had a lot of fun with the kids. The kids said favorite teacher. The kids were really involved um, in the things that you were doing in your classroom. And then the next year when you would, you know, say hi to them and chat with them, that often they didn't really quite remember what you had done in the classroom the year before. Like that's just another piece of information for you, right? About how that um, environment um, supports their learning and how do you define learning, right? Like all those little questions and being willing to, you know what, I'm just going to think this through and see if it makes sense for me. Exactly. Yeah. So that's awesome. And then that moment, that glaze that I would get with them, and you would see it after the fact and you actually would see it before too. So um, in the classroom, you know, you have a, you have a pace that you have to follow. Yeah. And um, so, you know, you teach a lesson, you give a quiz, 
And, you know, an assessment is basically just supposed to let you know, did the teacher do a good enough job in presenting this information so the, the student can absorb it and learn it, right? That's the purpose of an assessment. But the way school is set up is we got to move forward. You know, we, we can't stay back in, you know, chapter three, section two. We have to move on to chapter four, you know. Um, and so if a student, you know, gets a, a D or a C or an F and, you know, it's what do you do? And, you know, and I, I was always pushing back and I was like, I want to stay with that student where they are to keep, you know, staying with that content. Let's let's get them to understand that. Let's get some true learning here. And and I was I would <laughs> I got in trouble a lot as a teacher because <laughs> I was always trying to, you know, push the envelope a lot. And um, and, you know, they say, no, we, we got to move on. You got you can't be so far behind. And, you know, what about then what about the students who got it that first day? You know, and now we're three, four days in it talking about the same thing. What are, how are they, you know, um, um, enjoying this learning environment? Is this beneficial for them? So it's it was so many different things that I was, you know, combating. And, and I realized that, yeah, this whole room, this box that we're in and you have 30, 25, 30 kids in this room and you're supposed to be teaching them on the same pace. It's, it's not a very realistic approach. Um, it's, it's, it's very unnatural. Um, and, and the crazy part about it, uh, one of your questions was, what was your aha moment? The aha moment is that we, society has been taught that that is the natural way of learning in a school with a, with an authoritative person in the, in the front, you know, telling you what to do, telling you what page to go to and things like that. That is the, the, that is what's assumed as the natural way. And, I was, and it's so against it's 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 the opposite. It's it's incredibly unnatural, you know. So that's you know that's all of this is kind of you know brought me to this place where I am today. <laughs> and I I wanna I wanna pull out that just when you were speaking about that, like you were saying, if if you know we do this assessment and the student's not getting it yet, that's uh you took that on as a teacher's responsibility. Whereas so often we do hear that as it, well, you know, as a teacher, I, sh- I shared this thing. I taught this thing. Yeah. It's a student's fault. They didn't pick it up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I just love that, that different lens that you were bringing to it. It's just, just another great example of that. And it goes exactly to your aha moment that this environment and the pace of it that the pace is very important. The pace is critical, like moving, seeing it through their eyes, meeting them where they are and moving at the pace that works for them is what helps learning shine, right? And just in this box of 30 kids, it's just not uh, conducive to creating that for each child, right? Correct. Yeah, and and then you've got the the pace that the curriculum dictates that you move at, because you've only got so many days to get through that learning. Right. So it just, it's, that is all working against you in the classroom, right. As you're trying to come up with all these projects that will engage them, that will bring them into the moment that are relevant to their lives. Like all those pieces, Sean, and the way you were describing what you were trying to do in the classroom. So I much appreciate that, (laughs) but still when it comes down to the kids, right. Yeah, it doesn't work so well individually. 
for each one, right? Like you were saying for some, and that's the fascinating thing too, when you get to know them as individuals, like the ones who pick it up that day and the ones who need more time with it also varies by topic, doesn't it? Because some things are relevant in their lives. Orcas are really relevant and like all that stuff will just soak in, right? Yet, you know, another topic or another thing to do is is a very different experience. So understanding that it's not even that these kids are always faster and these kids are always slower. It's also so dependent on what the thing is that you're talking about at the time, isn't it? Exactly. It's 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 interesting because um, another, I guess you could say, uh, moments that I that I've had even more recently is we we kind of. It's, it's kind of a, a small a miniature version of what we do with our kids, with um, what we do with adults as well, because um, we 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 put them on this, I guess you could say this uh, treadmill or, you know, this this wha- this rat wheel. And, you know, they're just kind of going and it starts at a slower speed for the kids. But as we become adults, you know, it speeds up and it gets faster and faster. And but in the grand scheme, when we if we really kind of stop and look, we're we're not going anywhere. You know, we're just on this wheel and it's not really taking us anywhere. And it's definitely not taking us to where we're trying to go. And every everyone, you know, has their their goals and their end game. It's it's different for everybody. But um, for me, it's happiness. That's that's lasting happiness, not just, you know, moments of thrill, but lasting happiness. That's that's kind of my end goal. And um, when I think about it. There was this uh, one, he's an author, uh, what's his name? Bob Barnes is his name. Um, he's an author about, talks about parenting. He t- um, does it more from the Christian perspective. Great, great um, um, thinker, though, when it comes to parenting and his approach. But um, something that he said was, um, you know, we are raising human doings instead of human beings. You know, we we put everybody because everybody wants to get into the best college. And, oh, in order to do that, you have to volunteer for Habitat for Humanity. You have to have, you know, honor roll and you have to be captain of your sports team and you have to be, you know, over the student council. And, you know, you have all of these things that you're just throwing at your at your uh, 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 to put on your resume so you can get into the best college so you can have the best job. And so if you get the best job, you can make the most money and buy this house at the picket fence and and you live happily ever after, but everybody knows that's not the way life really works. And, and then why do we want our kids to be subjected to this idea that I'm only successful and happy if I make it to this Ivy league school, or if I make it to this, this top ranked school. And, and if I'm an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer, what are those, you know, what are the, what about those who don't quite meet that expectation or don't have that interest um, or, or not able to keep up with that pace, you know, it's, and it's, and as adults, you know, we we start there's I was reading a statistic the other day that this is the um, it's a growing um, level of 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 people in their 20s and their 30s reaching this quarter life crisis because they you know, they've worked their whole life in this schooling environment to go to a certain place. And then they're now they're in this real world and they realize, oh, this I'm still feel empty. I'm missing something. I'm not pursuing my interest and my passions and that those things that I'm trying to teach my six year old and my three year old, they're learning and figuring out, you know, at that age, I'm learning. Like it's 
the one of the um um uh, I guess I ha- I guess I have a lot of aha moments, but one of the other aha moments oh, I've yeah. had <laughs> is that this whole process I've basically been unschooling myself since twenty since COVID when COVID hit and it gave us time to slow down and get off of that that wheel you know mm-hmm. that, that that treadmill I um you know I started unschooling myself into my own interest and to the things that. I love to do. And I realized, wow, like, I feel like I learned so much in that year uh, than I did those, my years in college at the University of Florida, my years at, you know, and, um, you know, in high school, middle school, I, I learned more then in that one little year, of just following my passions for, you know, 12 months than I did, you know, in all of those years. And and I'm, and it, it's, it, you know, triggers like, yeah, this is because this is the natural way of things. And, yeah. I was going to say, because that is how human beings learn, right? Like that ties absolutely back. Then that dichotomy between humans doing and humans being really starts to stand out. And I think maybe that humans doing piece might have been a lot of, like a lot of the stuff you're talking about sounds like those were things you were diving into as you were thinking about, you know, what if I stay home with the kids, right? All those productivity expectations um, that we as a culture have, you know, um, on, on everybody being as productive as possible, but definitely on dads, you know, having that expectations that they be the provider, right, in the family. So peeling all that back to discover the hamster wheel, right, and discover, oh, we're just doing, doing, doing. What good is this productivity when I have the space to be? Oh, my gosh, look how my learning shines, right? Like just so many things bubble up all around those questions, it's it's really fascinating. I love the being versus doing kind of dichotomy because it's it's it is fun to do, but then you realize so much of the doing is outer expectations, and then and then okay, I followed the path, right? I got the good grades. I was captain of the team. You know, I did my volunteer work. It looked really good on my application. I got into the good college. I graduated. Now this kind of quarter life crisis thing is like. Also, you kind of expect the reward at the end of that too, right? Like you have just had your life set up. Like I did what you guys told me I needed to do. And now, you know, I expect a reward at the end of this. And either they they um, are judged or they can't get it. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of, uh, it's, you hear so many college kids who've got their degree and everything and there's not the job that they were expecting for them at the at the end where they got it and they're feeling empty. You know, what the, is this really fulfilling my purpose? I'm just spending all these years fulfilling someone else's purpose for me. And how does this feel now that I've achieved it? Right. And it goes back to what we were talking about before, being willing to ask those questions and dig a bit deeper rather than, OK, you know, I guess this is all there is. I'm going to keep running. Or am I going to stop for a moment? Am I going to pause? Am I going to start asking myself these questions and start digging into how that experience feels for me? And I think it's part part of that is trusting yourself too, right? Like trusting your experiences are are real, right? Not judging like I'm doing this wrong. You know what yeah, I mean? That, that's a that's a great point. I, I actually never thought about it like that. You know, there's it's a huge piece of, of trust 
Um, and, you know, something that, you know, um, with, with COVID in 2020, like I said, it allowed us to slow down and just to speak personally, like, you know, me and my wife, we went to counseling and cause we, we really wanted to focus on our union, you know, and, and our marriage and not that things were bad, but, you know, we just wanted to strengthen that, you know, that, that our bond. And the biggest thing that came out of that was trust and allowing that trust in that to um, kind of flow through our relationship in every level, in every way, because there's so many little ways that we kind of cut against the trust that we don't even realize, you know, yeah. and, and, um, you know, with how, you know, maybe I would, the way I say something to her or the way she says something to me and we assume, oh, you think negative of me. It was like, no, trust that I love you and I appreciate who you are and how you are. I'm just saying this more, you know, for a different reason. And, and, you know, that trust and in order to be able to give trust to someone else, you have to first trust yourself, you know, and, and, and that's something that um, resonated so much with this process and why, um, and I think I even said it, you know, in maybe in uh, videos, you know, is that I want my kids to be able to trust their feelings and their thoughts, their interests, and pursue those things. Because imagine, think about how dynamic of a person that is, a person who genuinely loves and trusts themselves and understands what they want out of life and understands how to get to it. Man, it's just such an amazing person, you know? Like, no matter if they're the president of the United States or if they're, uh, you know, pick, picking flowers every day, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just following that kind of that passion and understanding and, and gaining that kind of self-trust, that's kind of self-confidence. To me, I, I just feel like that's what's going to change the world for the better. Um, that's what's going to allow us to be successful overall. And that is not something you can just tell somebody else, right? They need to gain that trust in themselves, that, that self-confidence through their own experiences, where they have the agency to make these choices the choice that makes the most sense to them in the moment <clears throat> and then seeing how that unfolds, right? That's how they build trust in themselves. It doesn't mean it has to go right all the time. Absolutely not. When things go side, that's how you build trust. It's like, Oh, things went sideways and I changed it up here and, and now it's working or, you know, four or five twists and turns later, ah, you know, I got here, I can get here. And it's okay if it takes, you know, this little twisty path. I trust myself to go with the flow, to figure out what's working for me, what piece isn't working for me, um, tweaking it here, oh, a little tweak over there. And then when they're gaining all those experiences, also over time, they see how that changes. They see how they grow and change as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, a, oh, I used to really not like that. And now I'm okay with it, you know, just to see themselves change. I think that helps keep them open to that in the future. So they don't say, they don't stay stuck in that hamster wheel. This is me. This is how I define myself. This is how I function. And if that changes, I'm wrong, mm -hmm. right? To gain that experience, to have someone else trust yet support them, like help them out, help them, whether it's through conversations or whether it's you know, supplies or whether it's taking them places, wherever it is, just helping them have the experiences that they are interested in, that they think they want. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? You know, so maybe exactly. they, 
Yeah, they, they think they want to go to the park, right? And then so you you guys go to the park and they're playing around. It's like, oh, you know, I got bored of this fast or you know what? This wasn't as fun as I thought. Like just something simple like that helps them learn more about themselves. So every little choice, you know, whatever it is that they want to drink, was that satisfying? You know, every little thing helps them learn a little bit more about themselves, which in turn helps them trust themselves trust even in to say, you know what, that smoothie wasn't quite as satisfying or that smoothie (laughs) was super satisfying. You know what I mean? In the moment, like the outcome of the choice, no matter what it is, helps them learn and gain a little bit more experience with themselves. And those experiences help them learn to trust themselves. The next time they're like, oh, I remember that experience. Um, I'm going to tweak it and do it a little bit different this way, this time, and we'll see how that plays out. So trust is something that we want to help them build and cultivate in themselves. It's not something that we can say, oh, you should trust yourself, whatever, you know, you want to do it. And that for me, that's one of the beautiful things about unschooling is we're giving them that space to make the choices that make the most sense to them, not hands off right? We're there to help them process maybe, you know, and then we learn whether they're internal processors or external processors, maybe they want to chat about it. Maybe they want to say, Oh, that wasn't as tasty as I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And they want to brainstorm next time, maybe I'll try this. Or maybe, you know, they have more quiet time, they like to be off on their own. And then you just notice the next time they make a different choice. So you're like, Oh, they were thinking about that. You know what I mean? Those experiences are what helps them hear their inner voice, if you want to, you know, put it that way, Um, but just build trust in themselves, in their ability to make choices and to tweak things, to realize that there isn't like all right or wrong, that I'm not wrong if it doesn't go exactly the way they were expecting, but that they can, the trust is that they can deal with that too, right? Yeah. And, you know, as parents, a lot of times we, get so caught up in um, we don't want them to have the same mistakes we had, but there's a beauty in them living through their own mistakes, you know, and like there's um, my son, like I've mentioned, he's two um, going on three and uh, we go to the playground all the time. That's they, they love as soon as they heard we're unschooled, like, yeah, playground every day. (laughs) Like, all right, sure. We go to the playground every day. So we go to the playground there all the time. And, you know, he's climbing, um, things. And I see all the, you know, I'm like the only dad there. So I'm seeing all the moms like, you know, clutching their pearls. Oh my goodness. You know, he's like <laughs> climbing so high. He's so little. And, um, and, you know, I, and I think, you know, it's, if you know, I, I come from a sports background, you know, I've, I've coached basketball for almost 20 years and, um, you know, when a, a, a kid breaks a bone, right. And it heals, it's set and it heals. It actually heals harder than it was when it, the bone stronger than it was originally. Right. And so I said, worst case scenario, he does fall and he does break a bone. Right. Um, He's going to heal and it's going to be stronger than what it was before. But even more importantly, he learns from his mistake of falling. And we, we, as parents, we, we try to protect them from um, uh, um, falls that they can survive and, and but when it becomes a thing where it's a fall that they can't survive, they're not as familiar with making that critical decision. 
You know, they're they're not as they're not as comfortable with, um, you know, making that that drastic choice that might change their life for the, you know, for the rest of their life, you know, and um, or change the trajectory of their life. And 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 that's, you know, that's something that oh, I, I kind of joke in one of the videos, like un, the term unschooling, like it's it, it's, it's kind of <laughs> negative. Like, I don't know, because it's it's really parent based. It's just it's just a way of parenting. Um, I don't know, super parenting or engaged parenting, purposeful parenting. But it's just the way you parent. Like you can be an unschooling parent, but your kids still be in school. Like, that's you know what I mean? It, it has, you know, it's, the school part is just a small element of it. It's just more of a, you know, having that engaged interaction, those conversations and allowing that time and allowing that um, um, the opportunity for your child to get develop that level of, uh, of, of, of trust, you know, and understanding in themselves and finding themselves. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. I have had a couple of episodes where I talk. Because it's true. Once it becomes the lifestyle, it becomes a parenting style. Yeah. You know, I don't even like the, the term parenting style because it, it because you're getting away from that parent child dynamic. Yes, we are parents and children, but we're we're people and we're just <laughs> being with each other as the human beings that we are. And we're all helping each other out as much as as much as we can in the moment. Like as your kids get older, you'll see them and you may see it right now, too. Like they want to help. They want to engage with you. They have fun with you as a human being. So it's not that power control dynamic anymore, which is why when you get past that, when you get beyond that with your, with not you literally, yeah, no, <laughs> but as, as, as people come to unschooling, when they get to that more just connected and strong relationship versus the power and control dynamic, school can absolutely just be part of the picture if the child wants to try it out, wants to do that. Like they may have reasons and that's totally okay. And you don't need to, oh, all of a sudden they're in school. So now I need to readopt that authoritative control piece and make sure they do their homework. No, this is their choice. You know, they're, they're going to want to, maybe homework isn't part of the reason they're going, right? And they may be, sometimes they go for sports, right? And, you know, they need to keep certain grades up maybe, but they it's worth it to them for participating in the sport that they want us to participate in. You know, we just can't tell, but their determination when they're doing something that they choose to do is just such a pleasure to watch. And we don't need to circumvent that. Yet we can support them and help them. If they're like, oh, remind me, I have some homework tonight. You know, if you can remind me to to get that done, you know, that's great. We can support them, but that that's their choice. Those are the things they want. We don't need to, because um, then you're circumventing their learning, right? They're learning through that experience. It was their choice. They wanted to do it. They also, we also don't need to, um, you know, say, okay, you're going back. You have to go back for the whole year. Or if you choose to go to high school, you got to finish the whole thing or anything like that. It still can be their agency. It still can be their choice. And knowing that, you know what, if at some point this is more hassle than what I'm getting out of it, that they can choose to leave too. Like, like you were saying, completely 
school can become part of the picture while still live because it becomes a lifestyle and we don't have to change that just because one of our kids chooses to bring school into our lives for a while or for however long. Right. Exactly. It's um like there was this one book, uh, self, the self-driven child or self-directed child or something, I think self-driven child. Um, I can't think of the author right now, but you know, he talks about parents, you know, not being cops, but being consultants, you know, and and, you know, interacting with them and, um, you know, don't come to them, you know, giving. So, oh, you have to do it this way, this way, this way. He's like, ask them questions, you know. Oh, so why? What's your goal that we're working toward? You know, and another book, um, Seven Habits of uh, Holly um, I think uh, Covey, I think his name, Stephen. Uh, Covey, Stephen Covey, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, he talks about, you know, working with the end in mind, you know, and um, and, I, and I feel like that's the the unschooling uh, way, um, you know, this unschooling style. It's 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 so it, it fits within that those narratives, you know, of of working with the end in mind, you know, because like you mentioned, if uh, my if my daughter comes to me and says, oh, I want to go back to I want to go back to school now. I, you know, it was fun while I lasted, but I want to go back to school. And, you know, then we have that conversation. Okay, why? Why is that? Because, like you said, oh, I want to play sports or I want to be with my friends or I want to, you know, experience this teacher or whatever. And um, it allows them to, um, you know, we allow we support them in in, in their journey and instead of policing them in, the, uh, in our, uh, you know, parenting approach. And that's that's, a, you know, just a beautiful to, to me, a beautiful relationship dynamic of that interdependence that, you know, we try to develop with them. Yeah. Yeah. And what bubbled up for me when you were talking about that, when we talked about, you know, getting to that de-schooling place, part of that too is um, school not being like valued above other ways. Right. So it's absolutely a choice on the platter, but the wonderful thing about those conversations, like you said, she comes and says, you know, she's interested in going back to school. Like, then you have the conversation and you find out um, what's underneath that for her. And you might may well find other ways to satisfy um, the things that she's looking for that don't need to include school. Like, so depending on, you know, certainly for kid, maybe for kids who've been to school or been to school for a few years, you know, they may see that as, you know, oh, I, I want to see more friends. Right. And for them, that was the place that they saw friends. And so they come with, I want to go to school. But if you dig in, you want to see friends more. Then it's like, oh, you know, we can figure that out. We can do that without school in the picture. Let's try, you know, this way, this way. Like we can do this now. We don't have to wait to return to school. You know what I mean? So sometimes us as parents and even kids who have, or even, you know what, they haven't been to school, but they see it on TV, they see it in videos, you know, so, so often when we have a need, we try to figure out the solution to the need, and then we ask for the solution. But if you take the time to dig into the underlying needs, there is often so many possible ways to, to meet that need, right? It's that same goal, yeah. Yeah, meet that same goal for them. Um, and that just, opens them up to more possibilities. Like, so we don't, we definitely don't want to say, you know, no, you can't go back to school. You know, that's not the point at all, but you can certainly have the conversation and more possibilities can come up that you can then play with, that they get, have more choice, 
right? Rather than the more kind of tunnel vision or just the more, the most conventional maybe answer, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, being that role of consultant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that supportive role instead of, you know, that authoritative kind of role. So, so yeah. So I'm curious, like, You've been doing awesome. I haven't actually asked you the last. <laughs> I'm sorry. I talk. I talk too much. This is how my job interviews go. We end up. I just start talking and. <laughs> That's perfect. But I am curious. What unschooling related question is on your mind the most right now? I'm just curious to what it is and how you're playing with that. Um. So. Uh, for me, you know, it's, I'm kind of, you know, as you could probably get an idea of me of being a teacher, you know, I, I kind of throw myself into it. So I've done that with unschooling and in the process, I'm still de-schooling at the same time. And so, you know, there, there's always moments that I'm checking myself and like, oh yeah, that's that old thinking. You know, let, let's, let's go back um, to, you know, being more purposeful and, and thinking in this kind of new, more healthy, more natural way. And um, so finding a balance between being because unschooling is easy in a in a weird way but it's very hard in another way you know because it's because everything is so there's every moment is a lesson like literally every moment every conversation is a lesson and sometimes I'm like you know I want to knock it out the park with that perfect lecture in front of the class where the kids are like yeah you know like you know where the kids are you know just you just in um you know that moment wait were you a teacher before have no. you ever been in the classroom so that so when you're when you teach and you're in the classroom and there's you know you you work hard toward your lesson or whatever and you probably had this you know with your podcast and stuff because you you teach and whether you realize it or not you are a teacher but um, so um, you have these moments where you prepare and you and when you're preparing you think oh this is going to be that that thing that you know that triggers it right and then um, so you do it and sometimes you get the reaction other times you don't but more times than not. It's something totally different that really resonates with them. And they come back and say, oh, you remember when you said this? I'm like, wait, what did I say? <laughs> like, like yeah. yeah, you said this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, that sounds like something I would say. It's right. But that's not what that moment, you know. And so I'm, every time I have a conversation with my daughter or my son, I'm thinking it's potentially that moment, that moment that always resonates with them for the rest of their life, you know. And, um, and, you know, so it's sometimes it's a lot of pressure. I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to sound, you know, come off like Morgan Freeman, this wise, you know, gray hair, <laughs> you know, you know, almost God figure in the movie kind of thing that, that, you know, just always knows the right thing to say. But, um, and it's in, uh, you know, just finding a balance and, you know, realizing like, you know, I'm human, they're human, you know, every moment, every single moment isn't you know, the, the, the most important thing, um, that they need to learn, but, but just be engaged in a moment. Um, and also finding a balance with my, cause you know, I'm not just staying home, I'm working from home as well. And, um, you know, trying to build the, the YouTube channel that, you know, I'm just starting and, and, and learning that cause I've never done that stuff before I've edited, which like, like for family stuff, but doing it on this level where, potentially thousands or eventually maybe millions of people will be seeing it. I've never done that before. So it's learning that process. So, and if I'm, well, you probably know what editing cause you have your podcast, but editing takes a lot of time. Does. <laughs> a lot of time. So following, finding that balance between, okay, I want to be the perfect 
perfectly engaged dad, you know, with everything. But then I want to make these beautiful, perfect videos and, and you know, and other things and, and still be the, a great husband. And, you know, it's just finding that balance and everything because it's it all kind of blends together now, you know, with me being at home. So that's that's a, a big question that I have. How do you find that balance? You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I just one one thought seed one little seed to plant okay is that in over the years i discovered balance wasn't really a helpful word concept i leaned and you've used the word before but i leaned more into flow mm-hmm. because i found when i was trying to balance things so then sometimes the stuff that i was interested in doing there were times when um, that kind of, that took a back burner, whether it was for a couple of days, a week or whatever. And then, and I found myself, it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I, I have to fight for my, my piece of the pie, my balance. Yeah. Right. And that so often ended in frustration. Me trying, cause that ended up me trying to control more. It ended up me like, try, okay, yes. You know, I got I got all these things for you. You guys are all set. You're you're ready now. I'm gonna go do my thing, and you know. And, but then they have questions. They have conversations. They want to come and connect. And for me, over time, I came to see. And you're just starting out, so it'll be really interesting for you to just observe this. How when I, the more I tried to hold on tight and grab my balance of things. So of all the different things I'm trying to balance in in my life, that more often than not hurt and just created more frustration for myself. Yet, if I could lean into the flow, like if they were really needing um, connection and time with me, or if there was something going on with my partner and we really needed, you know, some more time together, or there was something going on physically at the house and, you know, an appliance broke down and we need to focus on that. Right. Like when I could sink into the flow and not try to control or hold on to things so hard that the time appeared, it just wasn't when I was trying to create it. Mm -hmm. So the time for me to sink into these other things would show up in the flow. If I looked at say over a week, rather than looking at a particular day. Um, I just flow was just a better metaphor for me mm-hmm. into how our, our days went because some days were much more weighted in one particular area. But over time, if I looked at a couple of weeks, if I looked at a month, it's like, Oh yeah, you know, I did. I got plenty of my time. It just wasn't, um, it just wasn't balanced per se, depending on the time window you look at, right? You know, so for me, balance was something that if I looked for, I kept getting annoyed that things didn't seem balanced. But if I looked at the flow, things flowed between all the pieces. Because also when you're looking for the flow, you're also like, hmm, I'm kind of, I'm wanting some time to work on a video. Or, you know, for me, it was writing, (laughs) writing my books, right? But that would, that would appear. And I, so I would watch out for it. Cause then too, if I was stuck in the balance, I was like, okay, you know, I want, I want an hour today to work on that. And if I was looking for that, 
are expecting that, I would often get frustrated in this, like, oh, I didn't get my hour today. And then I don't notice the time later on in the day where they're all busy and occupied. And I'm like, I didn't get to write or (laughs) whatever it is. You know, I didn't get to write at 10 o'clock this morning when I really wanted to write. (laughs) You know what I mean? So with flow, on one hand, it's like so complicated because then everything's a possibility in each moment. But then again, everything's a possibility in each moment, right? So when I looked for the moments to bubble up, they really, really did come up in the flow. But if I was looking for balance, I just that just put me in a more frustrating spot more often. Yeah, I, I love the way you said that because I'm a, um, I guess I, I try to say I'm a creative person. Mm-hmm. So flow is huge for me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's even when I would be working whether it be schoolwork or working on a job or whatever. And I will start it and it will take forever to get it going. And then once I get it going, that flow, then I'm like knocking things out, you know, and, and I don't want to mess up my flow. And, you know, the kids are coming more. This isn't the time. So, um, and this is, maybe this is, um, you know, kind of the old mind kind of question, but I'm going to ask it and put myself out there looking, looking, uh, kind of, uh, 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 stone agent, but, um, so when you're writing, right. And you're in your flow and, but you have that moment where the kids kind of want you, I'm not going to say need, but the kids want you, your partner wants you or something like that to be involved with them. in instead of involved with your writing, like, do you continue with the flow of your writing or do you say, okay, there's, there's there's a hierarchy to this and certain things have precedent does that does that question even make sense or oh absolutely it makes sense so i would i would visit my priorities i thought of them as priorities you know so um having my kids at home and unschooling them that was a choice and that was that was my number one priority as i talked about i talked with my editor of, of my first book who was an unschooling mom too And that book was like, I don't know, 22,000 words or something. It's a small book, but it took about two years because both of us, you know, our kids were the priority. So, you know, a month could go by before we'd hear from each other. Like I'd send her a small chapter or whatever. And, you know, it could be six weeks before I get notes back. And it may be another six weeks before I sent her like the next little piece. Um, But that was okay because we understood what each other's priorities were. That said, it it didn't mean that the minute somebody said something, I like just dropped it. Because number one, yeah, when you're in the flow, there's a transition piece, right? So it could be um, if somebody comes, it's like, I'm I'm just going to finish this thought. Or is it okay if I come in come see it like maybe they want to share a video or something can I come in 15 minutes I just want to finish this up so you get a feel for the moment like so they know that you're engaged in doing something that's a value to you but it doesn't so then you can actually have that real conversation right they'll take a moment to say oh no you know it's I really need you to I really want to share this with you right now because they don't even need to explain but you can tell from their energy and from their response how important it is to them. So it really became who, who is this most valuable to? 
You know what I mean? So when they knew that, when they said, no, I really want to show it to you now, or I really want the Lego or, you know, dad, can you get the supplies or whatever that they're wanting to do? Sometimes they can wait and sometimes they really want to do it now, but they take that moment to answer, right? So they think about it. And when it's really important to them in the moment, when they have your response, that builds trust in the relationship. So that as, as they see you, okay, I'm just finishing this sentence, or I'm just, you know, let me save my file so I don't lose the work that I've done so far, right? You're just sharing those little pieces. Then you go off and help them however they need, and then maybe go back to it. Maybe you're gone 10 minutes, half an hour, um, you know, two hours, whatever it is, but you've built that trust with them so that the next time, or maybe, you know, the 10th next time, they completely trust that if they say, oh, it's okay, like you say, of 15 minutes or half an hour, I'm just finishing this up, they trust that you will come and help them then. And they can totally lean into, I can wait, right? If they can wait, because they trust that they're not just trying to put me off, right? Like, so if we use it as a tool to like, I'm going to put them off and then I'm never going to get around to it for the most, and we're not talking always, never. Yes. You're breaking a bit of trust there. So more often they're going to say no right now, please. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the only way that they get the response that they're looking for, the help that they're asking for. Right. But when everybody's like real, Because it's also important or valuable, not important, but it's valuable for them to know that you're engaged in doing something fun, just like they're engaged in doing something fun that they're interested in and that they want to do. And that, you know, they're willing, uh, you're willing to take a break and help them if it's super important, but you're also totally willing and you will 100% be there in 20 minutes when you're done with this thing. Like those are the real pieces. Those are getting to know each other as people. You know, building that trust, building that connection. Maybe they come in and, and you say, oh, I'm just finishing up this really cool edit, um, you know, and I'll be done in about 10 minutes. And maybe they're like, oh, what is it you're doing? You know, it's real people living together and being with each other. So you don't want to be martyrly like, oh, yes, of course, I must do that because that's my highest priority and yeah. shut everything off and off I go because that's not going to help you feel good. It's not going to help them feel good. It's not going to help them learn about other people and other people's needs and considering those in each moment. Like every, every choice could be different in that moment when they come or when your wife comes and says, says, you know, how about this? Can you come do this? It's like being real with each other. Does that make sense? So it could be very different in each moment but you guys have come together and agreed on something that you think will work out. And then you gain experience with that choice, right? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe consistently you say 10 minutes and it ends up being 30 minutes. So you'll get a little better at saying, yeah, it's probably going to take me, you know, 20 minutes. (laughs) Maybe I am notorious for underestimating how long. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) We're in the flow. There's no time in the flow. (laughs) Are you sure, dad? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or sometimes, you know what? I'll set my alarm on my phone, right? Like there are just so many ways to move through the moments. But each time we learn, each time we make a choice, we gain a little bit of experience with it, right? Yeah. 
I stop and like, I notice how a little bit frustrated because I was like really into it and I was really excited, but they're really excited about their thing. And that's my priority. I want to help them. So I stop and we see how that goes. Right. But we're all learning a little bit more about each other and about ourselves each time we make those choices and we just, it's, it's a choice together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Uh, I appreciate that. That was, I needed that. I needed that. (laughs) No, no problem. So when we connected, you mentioned that you'd love to talk about whether unschooling is a viable option for single parent families or poor working class families. Mm -hmm. So I would like to hear your thoughts on that. What are you thinking about that? Um, I think, uh, like I said, it's, it's more of a parental approach or, um, uh, a lifestyle mm-hmm. and, um, but for, cause I've got it since I, you know, made my choice and, and, um, you know, stepping away from school and, um, and teaching my kids, like I've, a lot of friends, family have come to me and things like that. And that, that seems to be a recurring thing. You know, what if it's a single parent, you know, what if they don't have the resources that, that we are blessed to have, right. Um, is it possible? And so I'm still early in that process. Um, ideally, cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a very, I'm a dreamer. My wife always says, you're such a dreamer. I'm like, <laughs> ideally, I would think um, a micro schools set up would uh, potentially could get some kind of funding grants that would allow to sustain a level because it's, because those, uh, a democratic or a micro school or a Sudbury school, you know, those, the cost is actually cheaper than a public school. Like that's, you know, um, but if so, if they can get enough funding, I feel like they would be able to help, you know, you know, underprivileged um, communities. But from conversations that I've had to <clears throat> with a few people, they, they say it actually is a lot more difficult to get that funding, to get those grants. Um, you know, sometimes there's a lot of a, there's a big pushback on that. So I don't know. <laughs> That's why I guess it's a question. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Ideally, I would think it potentially could be the case. Uh, and then there's enough, there's a whole second part of it. Um, and this kind of goes into the life element of it. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about unschooling. It's it's so much bigger than school. You know, it's, it's just, it's so much bigger than school, but um, we, you know, if, in our society, you know, we're all about material things and we're all about, you know, having, you know, not driving this car and having in this house or living in this neighborhood and, um, you know, getting this purse or this phone, new iPhone when it comes out or whatever. Um, and it's, or like me, like I like shoes, I like Jordan sneakers or whatever, right? Michael Jordan sneakers, right? Um, and so if you kind of break away from that and go into more of a minimalist mindset, but 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 also financially, um, uh, I wouldn't say frugal, but just being very responsible with your money um, and, you know, saying that, all right, um, all the money that comes in to the house, we're only going to spend 50% of it, or we're only going to spend, you know, 60% of it. And the rest is going to be either saved, invested, and, you know, using, doing, being purposeful with your money. Um, even if you are poor, you can do that. Like it's, it's, it's not a, it's a, 
And I've been both, <laughs> by the way. Like, right, I'm not rich by any means. I'm com- We're comfortable. But, you know, I, I used to joke all the time, you know, I wasn't raised in the projects, but I lived right next to it. Um, so I, I'll tell a quick story. So my wife, she um, promises a quick story. I promise. <laughs> so I know she's like, oh, here we go. It's like he's in this flow. But um, but uh, so my wife, uh, you know, I, I always say, you know, I live, you know, next to the projects, not in the projects. So my wife comes to my hometown in Vidalia, Georgia. That's where I'm from. It's the southeast part of southeast Georgia. And we're driving around and I was like, oh, this is the, you know, the neighborhood I lived in. And this is the apartments. And she sees the apartments like, oh, my goodness. Like, well, you live there. It's like, so why don't you live over there? Those apartments look nice. They're like, oh, those are the projects. <laughs> yeah, but they were so much nicer than um, my little apartment. But <laughs> so uh, just this, so I was really, you know, poor growing up. And um, but and even with that, like there's 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 things you could live without. You know, every you don't need certain things. There's you have your needs, you have your wants and you can live without a lot of stuff. And and um, I remember when I we first had a kid, uh, our first my, my daughter, you know, um, I was talking to his parents, like, how do you balance the finance? You know, I'm always asking for balance, right? So how do you balance the financial part of it? You know, because I'm we were living the dink life. You know, we had dual incomes, no kids. We were loving it, right? You know, we go to the concerts and, you know, lived in this nice high rise uh, condo or whatever. And he's like, man, how do you balance kids? How do you afford it? And I remember, you know, it says like, you'll, you find a way. Like you find, when you have kids, you find a way. And And I think that that's the kind of the approach that, you could potentially take is wherever situation you are financially, you can find a way for your kids when you need to. And, um, and, you know, whether that's cutting back on certain things, whether that's balancing your budget a little bit better, whether that's finding a micro school situation or a democratic school that, that fits for your needs, um, you'll find a way when you really want it. So that's kind of, that's my hope. That's my dreamer idea, but I'm interested in, in what you think. Um, I, it it is, it is so individual. Like I, I don't want to speak for anybody or like the idea is not to make anybody feel bad with the way they look at it. But I mean, I have seen the, the way you're talking about it. If it's something like, if this is your purpose, if this is a passion, if this is something that you want to do, you can find a way, um, and it can look very, the thing is, is, is looking to other families and thinking I should be like that, right? Because that's not the piece. I, over the many years now, have come across so many different unschooling families with different creative approaches to their lives to take in this finance, you know, the, the financial piece is just part of the equation, Right part of our choices. You know, I had a podcast episode, I think it's called Unschooling on a Budget. I'll put it in the show notes. But, you know, with that family, they all wanted to be home as much as possible. And so uh, dad goes and works for a few months, they save up that, and then he comes home for a few months, you know, and it depends on the work that he finds, you know, um, and, and so that just, they save up for a while until they've got, got enough in their savings that they're comfortable. And then he comes home and hangs out with them. You know, he's still home when he's working for the most part. It's not like he goes across the country, which 
you know, again, maybe another, there's other families where the spouse is, is working, is working away from the family for a few months and then they come home, you know, it all depends on, on the work that they're doing. Like, and now as you're doing, you know, you're finding a way to, to do some work from home. So there are some families where they either both parents work from home or they're a single parent and they work from home. Another um, mom that I talked to, she's a single parent with two kids unschooling, you know, and she would have meetings in the coffee shop and the kids were old enough to go and hang out there with her. You know what I mean? During meetings, like we can be creative. It's, it's again, kind of getting, I think so much of it is that de-schooling piece. Like, you know what, this is something that I want to do. How can I creatively make that work versus the hamster wheel path of conventional path of, you know, I should be doing this. Um, so when you can start to play and, and then it's, you know, maybe figuring out a budget on one income, you know, it is, it really is how we choose to prioritize individually. There's some who sell their house and decide they want to travel, right? Or they get an RV so that their housing costs are super low. Like when you start opening up so, so many things that we think were like have to's, really, we realize how much of that is choice, right? You know, and some people downsize so that they have, they have that um, chunk of money just in case, like emergency money. Uh, there's just so many possibilities when you open it up and really just lean into what your priorities or what your purpose is. So I've seen single parents you know, unschooling, I've seen them, you know, maybe they work out, some take them to work with them, you know, maybe there's some run a restaurant. I've seen college professors and they, sometimes their kid would sit in the back of the classroom, you know, and that was fine too. It, it also depends on the people. It also depends on the kids, right? How you as a family come together, whatever your family looks like, and see how you guys can creatively make things work. Because ultimately, everybody wants to make things work, right? We're not dictating and telling them, well, you have to do this, you have to do this. You get a lot more, like when people are working on a team, and they're trying to figure things out, how can this look for us? What is it that we're wanting out of this? Here's what our resources are right now. Here are some of the possibilities. Kids can have really great ideas too. And sometimes, sometimes it's like sharing with another family, finding another family close by that you um, uh, just share care with sometimes. Maybe like when she couldn't bring her to the class or whatever, or now you can do virtual teaching as well and an online teaching, and then other times go hang out over here when, when we need helping each other out that way with another family. Yeah. Um, there's just so many possibilities, which is why there's no like pat answer to it. One right way, one right way, yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no one right way, but I feel it's possible. And then also we were talking about earlier, sometimes school is in the picture. But, you know, that can also be, be part of the conversation. And again, doesn't really need to impact our lifestyle. Like we don't need to change. We don't need to all of a sudden value grades and start judging our kid by the grades that they're getting. You know, we don't need to be hounding. It doesn't need to hurt our relationship. But you just kind of need to get to that 
place first, like just choosing to prioritize the relationship, to prioritize the connection. And then sometimes school's in the picture for a while. Sometimes it's because it's a family need. Sometimes it's a child's choice, you know, but when you work as a team together in your family to figure it out, um, it just, and everybody knows that they're fully considered, right? That they're a full part of this family. And, you know, everybody kind of sees like, this is what's going to work best for us for now. And we'll try it out and see what happens and maybe tweak it along the way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's, that's huge, you know, feeling considered um, yeah. because that's, you know, that it, it means you're valued you know, mm-hmm. and you're important. And um, a lot of adults, um, they don't feel that. And, you, you know, they're, they're always searching for that value. So yeah, that's, that, that means a lot. That means a lot in more ways than one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think, and, and then we're valued and then we value all the possibilities, like opening up to mm-hmm. things that look unconventional, mm-hmm. but just knowing, you know what, this works for our family. Yeah. And that that's enough. It doesn't matter what it looks like to other people. Exactly. Right. Because, you know, like, and you can understand how it might look to other people, but they also aren't part of your family. They haven't been part of the conversations. They haven't been part of all the possibilities and, and just what's all the tweaking and the thinking and the, and the, the consideration that's gone on into making this choice. And it can just be, you know what? this choice is working for us right now. It's working well for us right now. We're going to try it out and see, you know what I mean? Nothing needs to be set in stone either. Yeah. Because then we forget that we can change things. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you also mentioned society's kind of shifting view on schooling and careers as a path to happiness. And we've been talking about that quite a bit in our conversation. And just whether or not that's kind of reaching a tipping point culturally. And I'd love to hear if you're seeing that. I'm kind of steeped in the unschooling community for a few years. So I see that all the time. Um, But it is really interesting, especially as you said, with, with the pandemic and people being home and starting to, you know, realize how valuable that that connection and that slower time without a lot of the expectations we heap on us. I mean, do you see that coming up more and more in your conversations? Absolutely. Um, 100%. Um, you know, it, it seems, I'll probably say a week, it doesn't go by that I have a conversation with somebody yeah. that, and it's totally different. It could be a family member, sometimes it's a random parent in the park. Yeah. And they're saying, oh, we sell in our house, we're downsizing, you know, we're, you know, going to, you know, um, I'm not going to be working anymore, or I'm going to be working from home. And, you know, we're, we want to travel and go on walks and hikes and, and you know what I mean? And just spending time. And I, I think the, the unschool community, it's, it's just a, it's another option for um, families that, that I don't think a lot of people know about. And that's actually why I started the YouTube channel. This to kind of 
talk about my journey and and because there's there's a lot of people who have no idea like anytime i mention unschooling or think things like that they're like wait what is that like what what are you doing like what, what do you what do you mean <laughs> um and and then i was like well, just watch the video <laughs> it's like so because you end up explaining the same thing over and over but um it's 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 such a new thing that and i mean you've i've been reading articles about uh you know millennials how they they don't want to go to work. They don't want to go back to work. They want to work from home. They want to be self-directed in their learning, in their experience, you know? And it's it's like, it's only a matter of time before an adult starts thinking that they're like, yeah, I obviously want this for my kids. Because as adults, what do we want? We want at least as good as what we have for our children, you know? And 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 they're going to start realizing that, yeah, this, this like you said, this hamster wheel, this whack wheel, this turn, this, uh, this you know, this um, treadmill that we're on, it's actually uh, leading us to a place that we, it's leading us to a place that isn't happy, where we are finding our joy. It is, it's, it's taking us to a place where we're not feeling fulfilled, we're not feeling valued, we're not trusting in ourselves and tr- in, the, in the people around us. And um, so, so yeah, I think it, there is a tipping point that's going on. Um, it's, I don't know, w- one thing that I have recognized with it is there is also a fear. So people are nervous to make that jump, you know, because we've been in this, we've been, you know, on this wheel for so long and we've been taught that this, this is the process, you know, this is how you achieve the American dream, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's one uh, video I did where I talk about, you know, is that, is this a lie that they're selling us, you know, that there's this, uh, this idea of the American dream and the process of getting to it. Is this even a real thing, you know? Um, and I, I, per- I personally, and, you know, not everyone has their right to their own opinion, but I personally, I, I feel like it is, they are, they have been lying to us. I, I feel like there's a lot of myths, mistruths in, in there. And, um, and and that these these um, false facts that are out there basically kind of make us feel afraid. It, you know, it plants seeds of fear that if I don't follow this path the way we've been taught, the way I was taught, you know, um, where my kids are going to turn out to be, you know, something I, 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 I don't want or I'm going to, you know, not be happy or be poor or, you know, uh, or struggling. And and, you know, there's all this fear surrounding our decisions. And one thing that I've learned is when you're making decisions based on fear, they're usually not. It's not the best way. It's not, it's not the most healthy way. So, um, you know, I, I said and I, I feel so many people have said Oh, Jay, you're so brave. You're so brave. You know, you quit your job and you're staying home and you're going to say, man, I wish I was that brave. And I, 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 um, I was talking to my wife the other day. I was like, I don't feel like she's, she, we were saying, we don't feel like it's brave. It's like, we feel like we we're being obedient. Like I literally feel like I was being led to doing this. Like it was, it was just a part of this. Like we talked about before it's this flow and it was just a natural way of doing things. And I, I put myself on this natural path um and i'm just flowing in this stream and um and i'm just allowing myself not holding on you know to the to the to the sides you know just allowing myself to go down this path which it, it just feels natural it feels refreshing and um and it feels like we're going to a place a, a place that you know where that happiness that i talked about that I, that lasting happiness is so so yeah mm-hmm. I, I, I do yeah yeah you know what that 
that for me, that connects back to when we were talking about having trust in ourselves and trust in our experience. Yes, it can be, uh, you know, feel very fearful to go against convention. Because I mean, this is an unconventional choice, right? An unconventional lifestyle in general. (laughs) But that brave piece, I love that because we don't feel brave in that because we're trusting our experiences. And, you know, when you talk about feeling led, because this makes a lot of sense to us, right? When we, you know, all, because everybody coming down to schooling will be coming from a different place, right? You know, with your, your teaching background, your experience with teaching, you know, the questions that you've been asking yourself, this path makes a lot of sense. So it doesn't feel brave. It feels um, logical. It feels comforting. It feels like the right next step, right? And then then you see how it unfolds. Um, but for people who haven't thought about it, like from the outside, you can see how they think we're brave because it looks like a choice that's, out, you know, kind of out of left field. For, for other people, right? Um, but I'd like you're talking about this tipping point, you know, when we start asking those kinds of questions and we start looking at, you know, how things really are unfolding for people and is how well is this working, you know, for us, for others, for what we, you know, the kind of lifestyle that we want to cultivate with our children, et cetera. Yeah, it just becomes the next you know, sensical step versus, oh, I'm stepping out into the wild wilderness, you know, and this is a very brave thing to do, et cetera. So, you know what I mean? I totally get how it just, it just feels so good to take this step and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That is, it's, it is so interesting to think about that and to, to hear more and more people asking these questions. Like I am seeing it more and more online. Mm-hmm. Um, and see, my kids are older now, so I'm not so much, I'm not talking about, I'm not out with kids, Yeah, you know, so it, people would come and ask me questions, but in Canada also, we're, you know, behind, um, the U S in knowing, like when I first had kids, I didn't even know homeschooling was a thing. Like, Oh really? Yeah. That, oh, wow. I came across it online. It's like, What? <laughs> <laughs> like I was literally, you know, someone was saying, sorry, kids, you have to go to school. Let's figure out a way to make this fun. <laughs> and then I went to them. Yes. And you know what I just discovered? You don't have to go to school. <laughs> it was like a big wake up call for all of us. But, but anyway, yeah. So I would be chatting with people, you know, as when they got curious, but that was often the first question, like, is that legal? Like, are you allowed to not send your kids to school? Yeah. So yeah, over the last decade and change, it's been really interesting to see that becoming more and more just kind of the language as, mm-hmm. as the first step. So now with people starting to realize that, Because for me, it's just knowing it's a choice. Because even if you choose school, right, and you choose that lifestyle, knowing that it's a choice, not a have to, makes all the difference in the world, too, doesn't it? Exactly. I think so. Okay, so as you settle into unschooling, what has surprised you most so far? Um, Surprises. Um, It's been a a couple. So, you know, I'm 
I I always go back to my because um, I'm very sports oriented. So you know, finding that 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 um, I guess finding myself back in the mindset. So here's an example: my daughter learning how to ride the bike. Right, something basic, simple, and you know, there was one moment. You know, I'm like, we're in it. We're gonna we're gonna force it. Let's ride this bike, right? And she's like, I don't want to. <laughs> like, what do you mean you don't want to? <laughs> like, come on. It's like, why? It's like, oh, I'm afraid. Oh, we don't live in fear. Blah blah. blah, blah, blah <laughs> right? It's like, and we started this. We're gonna finish it. We're no quitters. You know, there's no quit in this family. You know, and it's it's like like kind of getting those moments. Like, oh man, yeah, I shouldn't have. That that's not it. <laughs> that's not the approach. You know, that's not. You know, she's she was afraid for a reason, you know, let's, let's focus on that. Well, why were you afraid? You know, let's, let's, let's uh, let her understand that that fear there, it comes from a, a real place and let's address that place, you know? And um, so things like that, those, those are, I guess you could say like some aha moments, things that I'm learning, just uh, a lot of times I got to kind of pull myself back and, you know, look outside of myself and see, it's like, oh yeah, what. Well, is this is this the unschooling way? You know, is this the way? Like the Mandalorian, right? <laughs> um, this is the way. So, um, so yeah, having a, a lot of moments like that uh, that's that's been big, and it's, we're we're so new in it. It's technically I've been unschooling for I guess two months now, <laughs> so it's it's super new. <laughs> but you know, we've been um, you know I've been reading a lot of books on it, and and I guess you could say de-schooling myself for the last that last year. And, um, and it's, it's, um, the, the joy that I get when we find, I'm, I'm keep using your word now. Cause I like it that when we find that flow in our relationship and on that flow and, and our learning, um, that I find in my learning, um, it's, 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 that's, that's the, that joy that you get from that. That's, it's been so amazing. It's, you can't describe it. It's, it's so refreshing. You know, it's, it's really refreshing. So, so yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And you know what? I just, I remember how, yeah, obviously surprising that was to me. That's how I ended up with, you know, calling my website living joyfully because it just stood out for me how much joy there was. And like you said before, we're not talking, you know, those fleeting happy moments because something was good. But the, there's even joy in that frustration and determination to keep going and, and get something, whether it's in a game or, or figuring out, you know, a puzzle or, you know, whatever it is, or, or the monkey bars that you were talking about your daughter, right? Like whatever it is um, that they're wanting to do, when we get into that flow, like the determination that, that comes with that, and also like the joy that just goes through it because you had the choice, because this is something you want to accomplish or something that you want to finish or whatever it is. Like I think it really boils down to when we have the choice, there is just so much more fundamental joy weaving into all the things we do when we sink into the flow. Right. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> well, I had I kind of had a sorry I had a okay. question in in um okay. because it might be complicated. So, um, for you, like, if your purpose, like, what do you feel your purpose was, and then 
can you describe like that moment that you're like, yeah, this is like when I look back on my life and and I think of the purpose that I have, like when it, what was that moment like when not what was the moment like, but when you found your purpose, like what was that tipping point for you to kind of flow into your purpose? And what do you feel like your, your purpose is? And and if if it's a complicated question. No. Well, okay. So I'm thinking like, are you thinking about my like personal purpose or are you thinking with respect to my kids? No, you, you individually. Yeah. As Pam, like what you feel like your, um, your purpose is, and then the tipping point and you feeling like you have an understanding of what that is. I, I love that you have used the word purpose, like in your videos and, and stuff for me, I find what bubbles up for me when I think about purpose is, is sort of an expectation that there's an outcome that I kind of struggle with because like I, I love talking about unschooling, you know, the the podcast here, the community, writing the books. I love sharing it because um, I found it so impactful and life-changing in my own family just to recognize kids as, as real human beings in the moment and, and that I didn't need to have a purpose or an endpoint for them other than supporting them figuring out what was important to them and helping them accomplish and, you know, do the things that they were interested in doing. So I love just sharing that excitement and what it also helps me, even though my kids are in their twenties now, right? This is still the person I want to be. This is still the life I want to lead. So staying kind of immersed in that ethos, also helps me remember to make choices towards the person that I want to be knowing that I'm never done. You know what I mean? I'm always growing and changing and I'm sinking into the flow of different things now and different seasons of life, but it still brings it top of mind. It still inspires me to see other families living joyfully with their kids, with their families, however their family looks. And that just excites me every day. Like I constantly get goosebumps talking to people on the podcast. Like I get off these calls so energized (laughs) because it's just so cool. And it's just the way I still want to live my days. Um, So purpose wise, I also don't want to have any expectation on other people. Like we've talked about that. Like the expectation is people realizing that they have a choice. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it. So I, my purpose isn't to try and get as many people unschooling as possible. Like that's not a goal or a purpose for me, but just for it to be out in the world so that other people know it's a possibility. Like we were talking with the tipping point, right? That people like, Oh, what is unschooling? What is that? That sounds weird. Mm-hmm. You know, just to, even to normalize it per se, because it doesn't need to be normal. It doesn't need to be conventional for people to choose it just for people um, to know it exists, to plant that seed. And then if they're asking themselves some questions and it starts to make sense to them, they get to that point where it doesn't feel so brave, where it doesn't feel so weird because, oh man, this makes sense for us. 
And I'd like to chat with other people for whom it makes sense with. And I want a little bit more, learn a little bit more about what they're doing, like that whole de-schooling that you've been doing for the last year, where this makes sense enough that, you know what, we're going to try it. We're going to do this without it feeling like it's some massive wild jump into the air. Like it can sometimes feel it the day that you do it. It's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But so for me, that like, does that meet your definition of purpose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I guess when I think of purpose, um, I think of um, uh, you just going in a direction, but it's you're enjoying the journey. It's it's the the journey is where you get the joy from. You know, that yeah. that's kind of, you know, not so much the end goal. You know, like like I said, I'm sports minded. So we, we have the goal of winning a championship. Right. Yeah or becoming the best player that you can be. But it's, and I talk about this all with my kids all the time with my kids, it's, or my players is that it's not so much the end goal. It's the journey getting there, the, 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 the togetherness, the, the, the struggle, the, the highs, you know what I mean? That you get from going on that journey towards your end goal of being the best possible player or winning that championship. That's where the beauty is. That's the memory. That's when you look back, and you're not on this path anymore. You're not, you know, on this, 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 this journey anymore. And you look back, those are the moments you remember, not so much the championship, but those in between moments, you know, with your, with your, with your brothers, with your, with your teammates, you know, those in between with your coach, um, those, you know, those times when you're completely exhausted running those drills and stuff like that, or, uh, those are the, so that when I say purpose, I was more talking about, you know, the direction, you know, um, that you're going, that you're going and and what you felt that was, um, because for me, when I hear a person like what you just described, that gives me goosebumps like that, you know, it gives me chills just seeing, you know, the joy that you get from doing something that you love. You know that and 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 hearing someone talk about that and describe it, whether it's something I agree with or not, it's just it's such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing. You know, it's it's just it's just amazing. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I had an episode recently where I talked about using joy as my compass just through experience that mm-hmm. has taken me the most interesting places. Um, and like you said, I love the journey. Um using that metaphor, I mean, I I wrote a book called The Unschooling Journey, because for me, it is so much, and it's only about the journey. And right now, even, it's still about the journey. It's still about using joy as my compass. And in the journey, like, like you were describing, you know, with the sports journey, that's where you're learning so much about yourself, right? You're like, how did that feel when I was exhausted, yet I still wanted to do, you know, this one more thing? Or, you know, whatever the piece is, you know, so often I remember many, many years ago, there was somebody said, you know, when we were talking about, is there half, when we were talking about half twos versus want to, you know, she's, and somebody said, you know, I want to get my black belt. So I have to get up each morning and go to those classes. Yet, those are still a choice, but that's what you learn along the journey. Like you want that you goal enough that each morning you're choosing to do the thing that takes you one more step towards. And it's just a shift in the energy. Like you're still showing up to the class and you may still be tired if it's like an early morning class or or a later in the evening class. Um, But knowing that you're choosing it 
for me anyway, just makes all the difference in how I show up to it rather than dragging myself like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. Like that energy is just so completely different. I can still be dragging myself, but oh man, I'm doing this because you've got your goal in mind. You've got the journey in mind. Each time you remember the last time you retired and you went and how you felt, you know, exhilarated by the end of it, or, you know, I still want to, I want to learn this piece. I want to work on this a little bit more and you progress. Like it may just be your own progress that, that you're looking at. But when you can make that shift to realizing like on the journey um, that that's just one of those things from the have to, to that, you know, this is my choice. This is my choice. I'm that determination. I'm still going for it. I'm still pressing or, you know what, all this effort is just not worth what I think I'm going to be getting. And maybe, maybe you quit, maybe you quit for six months, maybe a year, maybe you never go back to it, but look how much you've learned about yourself in that moment. And up to that moment, and then you leave and you're like, you know, how much do I miss it? How, you know, am I, am I do well, what am I doing instead of those classes? Am I enjoying that more? Like we really do ask ourselves these questions. So even if you ask your, your, your child, you know, what are you thinking and everything? They may not be able to express it, but as human beings, we naturally think that way, right? We naturally consider our previous experiences. And as things change, we notice them, even if it's in the background, it just becomes part of um our, maybe even our instinct as the next time we make that choice, like that all becomes part of our history of our cumulative experiences that we bring into the next choice that we make. So yeah, all that to say, I love the journey metaphor day. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. awesome. You got two big talkers on today. <laughs> I know, right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh man. But that yeah. has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Jay. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. It's it's been it's been a great conversation and um I've I've enjoyed it. It's 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 amazing. I guess looking at two different ends of the spectrum, you know, you with your experience, me just new coming into it and and both of us speaking with so much love, passion, and joy. It's it's um it, it's been enjoyable. I actually can't wait to see it. I wanna I wanna look back because I you dropped some pearls in there for me. So I, I, I didn't get a chance to take notes. I didn't it wasn't a good look on the video. So but um yeah, I loved it. Great uh, it was a great combo. Great combo. I loved it too. It was such a pleasure. I just love how you're asking questions and you're open to it. That's why I'm so excited to chat with you here today. And before we go, let everybody know where they can connect with you online. What's your YouTube channel? Oh yeah, so YouTube channel is Black Dad. So um I think it's youtube.com backslash C backslash black dad and um Right now, I'm trying to get on a schedule where I'm posting once a week. Um, but, uh, you know, like you said, I want to go with the flow. I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> just going with the flow. So, um, but yeah, I'm definitely going to be, you know, archiving our journey, things that I'm learning along the way. And, um, and it's, you know, with the idea from a perspective of being a dad and even like the name Black Dad that it comes from, you know, with the, that, you know, the color spectrum, you know, black is where the inclusion of all colors, right? So it's like, I'm thinking of from the perspective of a dad that's getting different ideas from different perspectives and different areas. And it's all coming together, um, helping me toward my journey 
of being the best possible father I can be. So, so yeah, that's, so uh, yeah, Black Dad on YouTube. <laughs> that's brilliant. And I will be sure to put the link in the show notes for people too, so they don't have to go typing it all out. <laughs> but thank you so much again and have a wonderful day, Jay. All right. Bye. Thank you, Pam. Have a good one. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.